Hi, this is Claire from Come Back Brighter. You're listening to my podcast about healing after narcissistic abuse. Welcome. Hello, it's Claire from Come Back Brighter here. So today I'm going to tell you about my one regret about no contact. So for this, I have to give you a bit of history. And and the history really is that I'd I'd had a very challenging relationship with my father from about the same time as I turned a teenager. And I remember when I was 14, that was a particularly difficult year. In that year, uh, my my grandmother died um, after, well, she went into hospital with a broken arm and she never came out again. And the family dog died as well. And also I was being bullied that year. Um, uh, and it, so it was a very, very, very difficult year. It's also the, around that time that for some reason, I can't remember the precise circumstances around this. And I think that's very telling. So I, I can't remember what led up to this. But what happened was my father said to me just one evening, he was he was actually kind of overtly angry. And that was probably one of the few times that I saw him actually actually express his anger in anything other than the silent treatment or the cold shoulder or any of that stuff. Cause he was, he wasn't like a shouting narcissist. He was much more the silent type, the kind of cold narcissist. And, and one, one night he just said to me, um, pack your bags. Uh, you're not, you're going in the morning. You're not staying here anymore. You treat this house like a hotel that's all I really remember. And I'm sure there were more words than that, but that's all I really remember. And and I cried all night. Um, I don't know if I started to pack a bag, but I probably might have put a few bits in a bag. And then the next morning, it was all forgotten. It was It was like it never happened. But it left an indelible mark on me because I knew then that if I dared to do something, if there was a crime that I committed in his eyes, not an actual like lawful crime, but a crime in his eyes, then he would kick me out and and have no worries about it. Just, you know, wherever I went was my problem when I was 14. And the reason why I'm like, I find it peculiar is because when you're a child of a narcissist, you spend an awful lot of your time analysing what you're going through. You analyse... Um, you know, if they're angry, you immediately look back and you try to see where it was you might have done something that caused them to react like that. And the hope is then, if you do that, that you can learn from it and not ever do that thing again. It's a pretty logical thing, I think. It's an intelligent thing to do, actually, to be honest. If this made the narcissist angry, I'm going to make sure they don't, don't do it again. And because my father was so furious... I would have spent hours and hours trying to work out what it was all about. But I never did. So I don't know what it was all about. One day he was in a bad mood and he decided to take it out on me. But I knew from that moment the fear that I'd had all throughout my childhood was true. I'd actually, he'd actually taken it the furthest that he'd ever taken it before. And that meant that, and, I, and I'd always had the suspicion that if I did something wrong or too wrong that he would abandon me 
Okay, and I think that's the, at the core of narcissistic abuse is that, especially being raised by a narcissistic parent, is we fear that they're going to abandon us. And they play on that fear. They use that fear. So when I was 14, that was what happened. So, And there was no support for me whatsoever going through the loss of my grandmother, the loss of the family dog, being bullied for that year, so 14, and being chucked out. There was, my father said nothing about it. He, ne- he said nothing about it the next morning. He said nothing about it like within the next week. He's never, ever mentioned it again. And neither have I. Finished, forgotten. And that's what you're dealing with. That's what you're dealing with. It's you're on this, on these eggshells all the time. You're you're panicking all the time. So that was when I think really things got really difficult. Okay. There's something about when you're when you're going through your childhood and you reach a certain age, probably at seven or eight, you're this. You're very malleable. You're easy to manipulate. You love your grandparents or your parents, if it's narcissistic parents. You kind of like almost worship them and and you're desperately seeking their love and approval. And then what happens when you hit about seven or eight, and I found this with my son, is that, that you're, you're kind of wanting to reassert your, your uh, independence a little bit. You know, I'm not a baby anymore. I want to do that myself. I want to do these things myself. You start to say no more, start to say whether or not you don't want to do things. And that there starts to be what a narcissist would perceive as a bit of pushback. So to a narcissist, it's not a natural kind of stage for a child. For a narcissist, because they're the center of everything, everything is done against them. If it's horrible, everything is done for them if it's a good thing. So so the behavior of a narcissist child, if a child is acting out in any way, misbehaving, not doing exactly what they're told, saying no, it's all for the, as far as the narcissist is concerned, it's all personal against them. It's all the child being rebellious, the child being difficult, the child being a pain, the child being deliberately difficult. It's like a like a scheme of the child okay but it's a natural normal process for a child to go through and then of course usually when you hit your teens that kind of gets even more trying to assert your authority even more not authority that's not the word independence even more and and then that's when the, the things can get really difficult so so I never forgot that when I was 14 and I really see now how it's not the actions of a loving father but anyway, so I had I, it wasn't difficult to establish that there was something off with my father. OK, I got on with him. Well, he used to say when I hit at the kind of seven, eight age, he used to kind of say, oh, it was so nice when you were younger. And and and, and often, even as I was much, much older, he would always kind of like talk back about when I was like a smaller child how nice it was and that was because I was really easy to control he had complete power and control over me I would do exactly what I was told I was always seeking to please him I was desperate to get his love and approval um but then with the natural progress of things like I've always always said uh, already said um things changed a little bit but it wasn't difficult to see from the age of seven or eight and especially when I hit 14 that 
my dad wasn't very nice. Um, and what would happen would be he'd sometimes he'd go away for work and my mum would be in a bad mood when he went away because she didn't sleep very well. And so she'd be snappy. And but part of me would be relieved that dad wasn't home. And then he'd come home and then he'd be in a bad mood and snappy because he was tired because he'd been working away and he hadn't slept very well. Oh, that was a story. Or he'd been working hard and he was tired, which I can understand. However, what I can't understand is how it was when he was tired that everybody had to suffer for it. It was like if there was something wrong with dad, the whole household was affected by it. So it was like the black cloud would come and settle over the whole of the house. It wasn't just he wasn't just in a bad mood and he'd take himself out, off and sort himself out. He would infect the whole of the family. He'd be snappy with everybody. He'd be short tempered. He'd be the martyr. Oh, you know, I do all this. I make all these sacrifices for my family, all the stuff. So so that was like the pattern of my childhood. It was all it was always all about dad. It was always what he wanted to do. No one else mattered. All that mattered was that he was as stable as he possibly could be. And that was really the family priority. My mother's priority, too, was to keep him as calm and and relaxed and stable as we possibly could. So. So then when I hit 21, I moved out. Well, I'd gone to university at 18 anyway, and there's some stuff going on at university that I was really not happy about with my dad. He wanted to be like best friends with me, but I was like, no way. I've got away from you. I don't want any of that stuff. And so then at 21, I thought um, I was with uh, my ex-fiance, who I believe was a narcissist. And he encouraged me to write a letter to my dad explaining to him how I felt and why I felt that way. So I wrote him this letter. And I wish I kept a copy of it because back in these days, it was it was a handwritten letter, no computers, no emails, no nothing like that. So I wrote it to him and he never responded. He sent my mother. He sent my mother to defend him. And that should have told me everything that I needed to know. OK, but that did tell me everything that I needed to know. I wanted to sort it out with him and he sent my mother. That tells that's it. That's it. And, and she probably, now looking back, only came, not necessarily because he was he sent her, although I'm sure that she had his permission to do so because she would never do anything without his say-so, was that she wanted me back because she didn't want to get the treatment that I was getting. She didn't want to be the scapegoat anymore. So really things came to a crux for me personally with my family when I reached 21. And all that really happened from that was really like so many other incidences, I swept it under the carpet. And then it was a further 15 years after that before I actually went no contact. And that was only after the discovery of narcissistic personality disorder. Now, I had gone no contact previous to that without knowing that's what it was and without knowing about narcissistic personality disorder. But I got reeled back in because my mum was diagnosed with breast cancer. So... So what's my real regret about no contact? My one regret about no contact is that I hadn't done it earlier. So when I went no contact, my son was three. So I went through my pregnancy. I went through having my son with my parents. And my son was up until the age of three when I went no contact. Now, what I wish 
is that I'd gone no contact earlier, maybe not at 21, but certainly before my son, before I got pregnant. Because really the whole of my, my the, the, the time when I was pregnant was when things got really vile with my, with my father in particular. And my mother went along with it. She wasn't defending me. She wasn't helping me. She wasn't supporting me. She was, she was in his corner completely. And so I spent my pregnancy and the first three years of my son's life worrying about my parents. I was focused on the wrong people. I wasn't focused on my son. I was focused on my parents. And this is what happens. What they do is when you're having, this is not the first time I've had, I've had clients before that they said when they got pregnant that, that that was when things changed. That was when they really started to see the dynamic. The truth about the relationship was once they got pregnant, because what happens is a narcissist has to reassert their authority over you. You, if you're, You've got a partner. And then if you're pregnant or your partner's pregnant, there's going to be a shift in the dynamic. And what the narcissist does then, from, from the point that they know that they're, you're pregnant, they've got to reassert themselves as the top authority in your life. They've got to ensure that they are the number one, the number one during your pregnancy, the number one when you're giving birth, and the number one when your child is born or after your child is born. And that's what they're doing. So what happened with my parents was we'd go sometimes for like six months to a year, maybe sometimes even a couple of years without no, without any arguments, rows, no unpleasantness. But then when I got pregnant, it was like every month. There was always something, something going on, some unpleasantness. It was never really like a kind of overt row. It was more my dad would say something vile. I'd get upset. I'd say, why did you say that? He'd say something vile again. I'd get upset and it would go on and on and on. That's what my pregnancy was like. So for my pregnancy, they added to the stress of the situation. I'd had a, a miscarriage four years previously. And so I knew how fragile a pregnancy is. And they made the situation so much worse. And then when I had my son, just after I had my son, I came back from hospital. They made that whole thing about them. And then when, but then, then it was, they were still struggling or my father was still struggling to reassert his authority over me. And what he wanted, because what he wanted was one of two things. He either wanted to be the only one, the only one above uh, my son myself and my husband the only one or nothing so he would test me in order to see what where I was what the dynamic was and if I was anything less than my life is is at your service father dearest or complete subservience or fear or running around after him he wasn't interested so when I actually went no contact, by that time, I really realized, I really realized the truth of the dynamic. I really realized that he had been testing me and that sometimes I'd given in to him and other times I hadn't. And that's the awful thing. That's the awful thing. Sometimes he was still my priority. But you, you can see things so much more clearly when you look back. You can understand the dynamic so much more when you look back. So when I look back and I think I could have gone no contact at 21 
or 25 or 30 even. What I wish was that I hadn't been involved with them when I got pregnant. That's my biggest wish. So before I was, uh, before I was 30, I wish I'd got no contact before that. But it is what it is. I wasn't ready then. I hadn't found out about narcissistic personality disorder. I wasn't ready to fully make that commitment without no, before I knew about that. And it was when I found out about MPD that that was when I knew what I had to do. I had no choice. I had no choice. But I do think, I do wonder how different my life would be. I do wonder how different I would be if I'd given up at 21. I do wonder what different pathways I might have taken. I do wonder about just what I might have done with those 15 years and the prime of my life, 21 prime of my life, those 15 years, what I might have done if they weren't in my life. Because I thought they were always going to be there for me. Uh, they told me they would always support me and they'd always be a backup for me. But that's not true. Because every time I needed them, they weren't there. So that's my one regret about no contact, is that I wish I'd done it sooner. I really hope this helps you. If you need my help or support, then please reach out to me here or email me, Claire, C-L-A-R-E, comebackbrighter at gmail.com. Bye.